Welcome to the Circle 31 Podcast. I'm your host, Ayanna Robinson-Dixon, and this is The Love Series. My guests today are Dr. Cheyi and Mrs. Oapalumi Bolawaji. They are giving us godly insight on courtship and godly principles they follow to keep their marriage healthy and happy. Now, here is my conversation with Dr. Cheyi and Mrs. Oapalumi Bolawaji. So my name is Olafalumi Boluaji. Um, I I have a ministry organization for children that creates resources for children and also that supports parents in the journey of godly parenting. I also blog. I blog for young wives and young moms and for single ladies and for teenage girls as well. So that's what I do. And um, we've been married for will be seven years in October this year. So that means we'll be married for six years plus. And then um, we have we are talking from West Bromwich, United Kingdom. Okay, so I'm Sheyi Buluaji and uh, I mean the I am a medical doctor by profession and I'm also involved in the evangelical ministry and uh, medical outreaches and village outreaches and all that. And so um, I think the other part of the question has been answered that involves both of us have been answered on our Yeah, thanks. Well, thank you both for, for joining us today on the Circle 31 podcast. We are so honored to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to ask you uh, both this first question. Um, what is godly courtship and what can a couple who desires to be married put in place to make sure that their courtship is honoring God. All right. So um, godly courtship, I think it's, um, I'll start from the um, description of courtship when it comes to Christian courtship. And it is believed courtship, it's a preparation for the marriage. It's um, when two people have agreed that they're going to, um, they're planning to get married and, they want to take conscious steps to um, achieve that plan or goal, as the case may be. And godly courtship is when the decisions and things that happen during this period are actually um, centered around God and God is given the first place. So I think what I would say godly courtship is basically when a relationship is birthed by God and is... God is given the utmost um, priority in decisions, actions, and things you know that are done in the course of the courtship. So, um, what a godly couple can do, I think, I mean, what a couple can do to prepare for um, godly courtship, I think, basically, is um, I would say what I think is very important is knowledge. You need to know um, what courtship is and what is expected of you. You know, I, I remember when I was about, uh, well, I was about going to a relationship, and then uh, I realized I didn't know so much. So mm-hmm. I had to read books, you know, um, attend meetings, listen to messages and all that. And that really, you know, guided things we did in our courtship. And I think, so preparation is very important. Being conscious about getting knowledge and also, um 
I think the other thing is probably being uh, accountable as well can be a very good um, thing in um, preparing for courtship, yeah. That, that is excellent points. Educating yourself, becoming more knowledgeable, and having accountability. Yeah. That is awesome. Palumi, did you have anything to add or did, did your husband nail it? <laughs> he actually nailed it. And, um, <laughs> well, maybe um, just to add to that, I'll just emphasize also on the point of starting with God, you know, God being the foundation of your courtship. And in fact, that's what makes it godly. The fact that God is in it, that's why it's called godly, right? <laughs> yeah, so ensuring that God is the center of it all and also engaging in spiritual activities during the course of your courtship. So as much as, you know, courtship is not just, of course, there's a fun part of it where you have fun, you um, play together, you know, you go to fun places together and all of that. But you also have to be conscious about spiritual development. Mm -hmm. so it's also a time for you to pray together, it's a time for you to study God's word together, attend spiritual conferences together. So it's a time for you to, you know, pray for your future marriage, pray for your future children, you know. And so it's really a time for you to set the tone of your marriage, you know, in that spiritual aspect, spiritually. So I think that that's very, very important for a godly culture. And then most importantly as well, upholding godly values, the things that God says to do and not to do. For example, sexual purity, for instance, you know, so that's uh, like really upholding, you know, seeing to hear that you partner with God to ensure that your courtship fulfills, um, your, your courtship upholds his principles, upholds his kingdom values. So very essential. So, yeah. Well, can we delve a little bit more into that? Because, um, you know, there may be someone listening to our conversation that may not believe sexual purity is that big of a deal like oh yeah it's, it's good to do but it's not a, you know a huge deal can you please explain to our audience why sexual purity should be at the forefront if we are in a godly courtship okay yeah um sexual purity first and foremost is an is an instruction from the lord no, um, in in the place in First Thessalonians, I can't remember the exact scripture, but it says that sexual immorality is something that is found among pagans, right? It's not supposed to be found among people that are children of God. So, and scripture also says that the marriage should be honorable with the bed undefiled. So, first and foremost, sexual purity is an instruction from the Lord. It's something that the Lord commands. It's something that the Lord commands. Um, in the law commands that um, sexual, se sexual sex should only be within the confines of marriage. Sex is created by God. God created sex, but then he created it to be within the confines of marriage. Mm -hmm. the, what the law wants sex to achieve can only be achieved when it's done the way the Lord proposed, which is within the confines of marriage. And so um, when you are in courtship, therefore, sexual purity, God wants us to be sexually pure. So that's the reason why it should be really upheld in in a Christian courtship. Yeah, that's good. Okay, then, then just to add to that, um, you know, courtship is believed to be a period of bonding, you know, and there are a couple of things. It, the Bible says that um, the man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now, 
the one flesh is actually referring to sex. You know, the one flesh does not occur before the marriage. But when we talk about bonding, there are a couple of things, you know, when sex is not the, you know, the the, the thing that bind the couple together, I mean, preparing to get married, the bonds tend to be strong, you know. Yeah. So there is the spiritual bonding, there is the um, emotional bonding, there is the social bonding, and a couple of things. So if, you know, if, you understand the standard of God about sexual purity, and then you focus on other things. Your courtship period is tend to be more productive mm -hmm. than just you know channeling your energies towards physical bonding without necessarily bonding in every other aspect. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that when the focus is not on the sexual activity before marriage, you have time to create a deeper and more meaningful bond yes. on intellectual level, on an emotional level, spiritual level. Yeah. Um, and then at the appropriate time after marriage, then the um, becoming one flesh just seals the bond according to God's standards. Yeah. So is it, I mean, so oneness, when we talk about oneness in marriage, can you help us to understand what, what that is exactly? when the Bible teaches that the two shall become one, is that purely physical or is there a spiritual component to that? Okay, so uh, I think like the scripture I cited earlier, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that the man shall leave his father and mother and they shall become one flesh. Mm -hmm. That becoming one is much more than physical, actually. Becoming one is, you know, becoming one in everything. It entails some of the things I've mentioned earlier, which is why the courtship is very, very necessary. You know, it's becoming one emotional. I mean, physical. I mean, in terms of your mind, that's um, psychologically becoming one, socially becoming one, mentally becoming one, intellectual. It just shows a form of unity. Becoming one talks about being united, just as. You know, the Bible says the marriage is a, a description of the relationship between the church and Jesus. Yep. And the Bible says he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord, you know. And we can see that. So when when we talk about oneness in marriage, it talks about unity. That means you're able to approach two different people, obviously different um, background, different approaches to things, different, um, you know, reasoning. But they're able to come to a place where every decision that emanates from that marriage is coming from a point of unity. So I'll say much more than the physical, it's oneness in every aspect, in terms of finances, in terms of um, uh, upbringing of children, in terms of social um, um, things, in terms of approaches to family. In in, it's, it's actually oneness in quite a lot, a lot of things and we've come to understand by our own experience that if this oneness can actually be you know given appropriate attention a lot of issues that come up from marriage where two people see themselves as separate individuals and the the selfishness tends to you know take the other of the day but when it's oneness the bible says if you are a man if you love your bible says to love your wife and care for us, you would do for your own body. You wouldn't want to hurt yourself in any way. So if you see the husband and wife as one, then it's that kind of make 
selfless decision. It helps you to deal with selfishness and then you can, you know, make much progress from the, the, you know, the marriage. Yeah. That's really good. One, you, you know, as you were talking about um, and describing for us what it means to become one, um, you talked about, you know, different backgrounds and, you know, being that we're human, you know, we're going to perhaps have a tendency to be selfish sometimes, you know, and have to work through that. So when those things happen, when you have two people becoming one, you will have situations where there's going to be conflict. You're not always going to agree with your partner, with your spouse. You're not going to agree on everything because you're two unique individuals coming together. So my question is then, can you both talk to us about conflict resolution and what are some keys that our listeners can, can glean from you both on resolving conflict? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, well, conflict resolution, like like you said, that I mean, marriage is a coming together of two different people. So it's really not possible that there won't be conflict having to having different different opinions and different approaches to things but of course the key is then how do we resolve conflict in a way that does not degenerate into quarrel and um, you know so many other things so well maybe at this point maybe i share things that um, are personal to us and you know how we resolve conflicts in our marriage. So maybe that would really be helpful, like personal experience. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say that the first thing is discussion. Like we discuss about issues. Yeah. And then I would also say mature discussion. So I think right from our courtship, we already know that we don't shout at one another. We don't, we are believers. And so there's a way we speak to one another. We don't speak you to one another. We don't um, talk down on one another. So we 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 discuss maturely. So if someone is um if something is not pleased with you and you want to communicate to the other person, you know, you discuss it in a matured manner, not in a way that your intention is not to pull down the other person or to speak ill of the other person, but to make your you know to make your points known. So I would say mature discussion. So I think that's really one um conflict resolution manner. And then another thing I'll talk about is like looking at um, proper timing, you know, discussing issues at the proper time. So there's a time also to talk. There's a, there's a time when you know that this is not just the time to discuss this issue. And I, I think at this point, I also say that it's good to like trust the spirit of God. Sometimes an issue is very hot, but that's not the right time to say it. But you can just rely on the spirit of God to know when exactly to talk and when not to talk. And in fact, there are some times that the Spirit of God would just also tell you that not to say anything about it again, you know, yeah. not because it's, yeah, at least for that moment, because God knows, he knows the future. So he knows that if you are to address it at that time, it's not going to, you're not going to get a solution to it. So being sensitive to this leading of the Spirit as to know when to talk and when not to talk. So I think that's also a, a conflict resolution approach. And then one other thing I'd like to talk about is, for me personally, I, I like to make use of humor a lot. So I like to <laughs> yeah. I like to list things with humor. So even if something is really hot on my mind, I don't like it. But you know, there's a way that you can say it and then everything um turns upside down. But there's a way you can say it humorously 
you are passing your message across, but then it's amidst laughter, and then you both laugh about it, and then and uh, yeah, it's it's um and then it's it sorted out eventually. So I think one of that that's also a very um a personal conflict resolution method that I really love that I, I make use of. Yeah. Palumi, I wanted to say really quickly, um, I just wanted to agree with you on that. I have found that in my my marriage that when um, I've learned, I learned pretty early on um, that humor can really just, you can still get your point across. And one of my favorite things to do is if I'm resolving conflict, my husband and I are resolving conflict, I enjoy that like when we're, he might be a little upset about something, but when I make him laugh and it's, it's, it just really changes the whole tone. We're <laughs> giggling in the middle of trying to resolve a problem. That humor yeah. is overlooked. And I, I just pray that people listening can try to find a way to insert that in. Chay, yeah. I think you were going to say something. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just going to add to um, what he has said. Well, I, I, I like to um, advise or encourage um, couples, especially maybe if you just started that, you know, the code or the foundation of the relationship should be agape love you understand the god kind of love mm -hmm. and when that is really the foundation of the courtship then it makes it very very easy to you know resolve a lot of conflict you know for us when we started we took our time to actually study the attributes of this god kind of love and a lot of times it's what we apply when it comes to you trying to act in a particular way that your flesh wants to hide. And then there's a particular way to act when it comes to God. You know, uh, we all we always say and agree that if you are a good Christian, a sound Christian, your marriage is a reflection of your relationship with God. Do you understand? Yeah. If you are a matured Christian, you're likely to have a, you know, very sound marriage. And if you are, if not understood the basics of relationship when it comes to the word of God, then you 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 tend to act in a way that is not, you know, in consonance with the word of God. For example, one of the things we 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 pay attention in in, in the love, the agape love is one of it doesn't keep record of wrongs. Mm -mm, that's good. Love does not keep record of wrong. That's what yes. the scripture says. Yes. And that translation says it does not take pay attention to a suffered drunk. Now it's almost impossible that we wouldn't offend each other. Right. But we don't, we res, once we resolve an issue, it ends there. And there's no, one of the things we do, we don't make reference yes. to something, you know, you did this last week and you're doing it again. No, we treat every issue as fresh because once we discuss it, we forgive and we forget the same way God does. God doesn't, you know, Bible says he, he doesn't remember the things that we've done wrong to him. Yep. He, he forgives and he forgets. So it's, it's something we've, if we've trained ourselves over time and it helps a lot so that it doesn't because like I, I sometimes explain to someone if you've got a wrong impression of someone's um action because of an impression you have about them probably someone says something you could have laughed over or you could have just tried to clear if you think this person is very rude and the person was just probably teasing you you might flare up and it becomes a big issue because you mind your your thoughts about them wasn't right but if you've the Bible says love thinks the best of your heart. If you think best of them, you don't expect someone to hurt you. Like I, I sometimes when I'm trying to resolve a conflict in my heart, I'll, I'll always tell her, I wouldn't consciously do anything to hurt you. Mm -hmm. If I did anything that hurt you, it was a mistake. I didn't know it was going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. So just first have that thought that I couldn't do it to hurt you. That 
creates a foundation for us to solve, you know, that issue rather than think, I think you're very, very, very rude, or I think you don't like me, or I think you you understand what I'm trying to say. So I think really giving attention to um, living out the, the agape love, and then it helps in conflict resolution, actually, yeah. Yes, excellent. Those those are great uh, gems that you've given us on that. And on, in the topic of relationship, um, I do would love to hear your, both of your thoughts on um, friendship and the role that it plays in marriage. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I think for me, one of the first books I read on marriage, I remember a, 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 a phrase I, I, I learned from it. It said, if you marry your friend, he said, your marriage will become a continuation of friendship. And that stuck with me since then. You know, when you, when marriage is much more than the, you know, the trying to fulfill a duty and trying to just act in a particular way in marriage, when you, when you have a very good friendship relationship with your spouse, it makes things, you know, quite easy, no stress, no, you just enjoy yourself. It makes everything easy. You learn together because with your friend, you are free to make mistakes. You're free to say whatever you want to say. You're not forming. You're not trying to act up or, you know, fulfill a particular way. You know, you're, you're, you're being real, you know, you're being uh, sincere. I mean, if I was with a friend, if I, if I wanted to do something and I didn't know anything about it, I would tell you. I don't know anything about this. Can you tell me that? So when you understand that importance, so one of the things courtship does is helps to build friendship. I think that's yes, one of the things. Good. Yeah, that's one of the importance of courtship. Much more than, like we try to say, the balance as a Christian um, couple, it's not just about the spiritual activities alone. You need to create time for good friendship, you know, visit places together, discuss, bound in, on the level of friendship. And when, when, you, when you get married, it just makes things quite easy. There's no forming, like, you know, this argument between husband and wife sometimes, he's the head of the family, I'm the head, the husband is trying to act, I'm the head of this <laughs> family, we must submit and all that. You don't tell you, you don't have such discussions with your friend. Yes. You just, yeah, so I see my wife as my friend and I never think I'm trying to be the head or something. She's my friend and I'm just being real with her, do you understand? So that's what I think it just makes things really, really very easy, yeah. That is, I'm so glad you said that. Thank you so much for sharing that. From Because this is something we all need to hear. Men and women need to hear this. And I love, Che, how you said, you know, yes, we know what the Bible says about headship. We know, right? But the friendship is what, you know, for me, I found the friendship is what my husband and I lean on. When we're going together, you know, before God, when we're going through a crisis, you know, we're, 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 you know, approaching God together on the foundation of that friendship that we have. So thank you yeah. so much. That was a beautiful point that you made. And I'd love to, uh, as we wrap up our time together, would you mind sharing the significance of Romans 8, chapter 28, and what that means to you, to both of you? Okay. Just... Okay, so I think Romans 8, verse 28, it's, it's for me before we, you know, came together and then subsequently, it says, for we know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are the cause according to his purpose. So for us, it's personally growing up in faith, 
things don't always work ex I mean, exactly the way we want them to work. But sometimes we know that we have this assurance that God is working out the good things for us, even in the midst of the seeming disappointment. You understand? So for us as a couple, sometimes when we go, when we when we when we are going through things, we have a consciousness that God is with us. God has our best interest at heart. The Bible says he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us. They are thoughts of good and not of evil. He gives us a future and a hope. So he has things is you know planned for us to do. And sometimes we are not always in the know. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so sometimes things happen exactly the way we don't want it. But what gives us this confidence? And sometimes you've prayed as a couple, you've agreed, you've fasted, you've done a couple of things. And one of the things that helps us with so that we don't get disappointed when we experience in the good ones, we, sometimes some things work out. It looks like it was a disappointment initially, then it works out for good. Yeah, that's understand? true. Yeah. Sometimes we think this is what we want and it doesn't happen that way. But when we come to that consciousness that we know, that's what the scripture, we are assured, we are confident that all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, is working out for our good because we love God and we know we are called according to his purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, listen, this has been such a, a fruitful discussion. Thank you so much for blessing our listeners. And I pray that you will continue to share the gems um, that God has given you in your marriage and that God will continue to grow you in wisdom. And again, I want to thank you both, Chi and Palumi, for being guests on the Circle 31 podcast. We enjoyed having you on today. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for having us. Too. It's so, such a pleasure to be here today. <laughs> that concludes today's episode of the love series we hope that you were encouraged and inspired visit our website at circle 31 international ministry.org to sign up to receive podcast updates and as a thank you for signing up you will receive the 28 day love series devotional guide Check out our YouTube channel for the Love Series playlist. It's a collection of our guests' favorite songs. You can find us on YouTube at Circle 31 Women's M-I-N. That's Circle 31 W-O-M-E-N-S-M-I-N. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Thank you for joining us today.